Chapter 4, Plurality of Existences Reincarnation Question 166. How can the soul that has not attained to perfection during the corporeal life complete the work of its purification? And the answer, by undergoing the trial of a new existence. Follow-up question. How does the soul accomplish this new existence? Is it through its transformation as a spirit? And the answer, the soul in purifying itself undoubtedly undergoes a transformation, but in order to effect this transformation, it needs the trial of corporeal life. Follow-up question. The soul has then many corporeal existences? The answer, yes, we all have many such existences. Those who maintain the contrary wish to keep you in the same ignorance in which they are themselves. Follow-up question. It would seem to result from this statement that the soul, after having quitted one body, takes another one, in other words, that it reincarnates itself into a new body. Is it thus that this statement is to be understood? And the answer, evidently so. Question 167. What is the aim of reincarnation? And the answer, expiation, progressive improvement of mankind. Without this aim, where would be its justice? Question 168. Is the number of corporeal existences limited, or does the spirit go on reincarnating himself forever? And the answer, in each new existence, a spirit takes a step forwards in the path of progress. When he has stripped himself of all his impurities, he has no further need of the trials of corporeal life. Question 169. Is the number of incarnations the same for all spirits? The answer, no. He who advances quickly spares himself many trials. Nevertheless, these successive incarnations are always very numerous, for progress is almost infinite. Question 170. What does the spirit become after its last incarnation? And the answer, it enters upon the state of perfect happiness as a purified spirit. Justice of Reincarnation Question 171. What foundation is there for the doctrine of reincarnation? The answer, the justice of God in Revelation. For, as we have already remarked, an affectionate father always leaves a door of repentance open for his erring children. Does not reason itself tell you that it would be unjust to inflict an eternal privation of happiness on those who have not had the opportunity of improving themselves? Are not all men God's children? It is only among selfish human beings that injustice, implacable hatred, and irremissible punishments are to be found. Kardec adds, All spirits tend toward perfection. All are furnished by God with the means of advancement through the trials of corporeal life. But the divine justice compels them to accomplish, in new existences, that which they have not been able to do or to complete in a previous trial. It would not be consistent with the justice or with the goodness of God to sentence to eternal suffering those who may have encountered 
obstacles to their improvement dependent of their will, and resulting from the very nature of the conditions in which they found themselves placed. If the fate of mankind were irrevocably fixed after death, God would not have weighed the actions of all in the same scales, and would not have treated them with impartiality. The doctrine of reincarnation, that is to say, the doctrine which proclaims that men have many successive existences, is the only one which answers to the idea we form to ourselves of the justice of God in regard to those who are placed, by circumstances over which they have no control, in conditions unfavorable to their moral advancement. The only one which can explain the future and furnish us with a sound basis for our hopes, because it offers us the means of redeeming our errors through new trials. This doctrine is indicated by the teachings of reason, as well as by those of our spirit instructors. He who is conscious of his own inferiority deserves a consoling hope from the doctrine of reincarnation. If he believes in the justice of God, he cannot hope to be placed at once and for all eternity, on a level with those who have made a better use of life than he has done, but the knowledge that this inferiority will not exclude him forever from the supreme felicity, and that he will be able to conquer this felicity through new efforts, revives his courage and sustains his energy, who does not regret, at the end of his career, that the experience he has acquired should have come too late to allow of his turning to its useful account. This tardily acquired experience will not be lost for him. He will profit by it in a new corporeal life. Incarnation in Different Worlds Question 172. Do we accomplish all our different corporeal existences upon this earth? And the answer is, not all of them, for those existences take place in many different worlds. The world in which you are now is neither the first nor the last of these, but is one of those that are the most material and the furthest removed from perfection. Question 173. Does the soul, at each new corporeal existence, pass from one world to another, or can it accomplish several existences on the same globe? The answer, it may live many times on the same globe, if it be not sufficiently advanced, to pass into a higher one. Follow-up question, we may then reappear several times upon the earth. The answer, certainly. Follow-up question, can we come back to it after having lived in other worlds? The answer, assertedly, you can. You may already have lived elsewhere as upon the earth. Question 174. Is it necessary to live again upon this earth? The answer, no, but if you do not advance, you may go into a world no better than this one, or even worse. Question 175. Is there any advantage in coming back to inhabit this earth? The answer, no special advantage, unless it be the fulfillment of a mission. In that case, the spirit advances, whether incarnated in this earth or elsewhere. Follow-up question. Would it not be happier to remain as a spirit? And the answer, no, no, for we should remain stationary 
and we want to advance towards God. Question 176. Can spirits come to this world for the first time after having been incarnated in other worlds? And the answer, yes, just as you may go into other ones, all the worlds of the universe are united by the bonds of solidarity. That which is not accomplished in one of them is accomplished in another. Follow-up question. Some of those who are now upon this earth are here then for the first time? The answer, many of them are so, and at various degrees of advancement. Follow-up question. Is there any sign by which we can know the spirits who are here for the first time? And the answer, such knowledge would not be of the slightest use to you. Question 177. In order to arrive at the perfection and the supreme felicity, which are the final aim of mankind, is it necessary for a spirit to pass through all the worlds that exist in the universe? And the answer, no, for there are a great number of worlds of the same degree in which a spirit would learn nothing new. Follow-up question, how then are we to explain the plurality of his existences upon the same globe? The answer, he may find himself, each time he comes back, in very different situations, which afford him the opportunity of acquiring new experience. Question 178. Can spirits live corporally in a world relatively inferior to the one in which they have already lived? And the answer, yes, when they have to fulfill a mission in aid of progress, and in that case they joyfully accept the tribulations of such an existence, because these will furnish them with the means of advancement. Follow-up question. May this not occur also as an expiation, and may not rebellious spirits be sent by God into worlds of lower degree? And the answer. Spirits may remain stationary, but they never retrograde. Those who are rebellious are punished by not advancing and by having to recommence their misused existences under the conditions suited to their nature. Follow-up question. Who are they that are compelled to recommence the same existence? The answer. They who fail in the fulfillment of their mission or in the endurance of the trial appointed to them. Question 179. Have all the human beings who inhabit any given world arrived at the same degree of perfection? And the answer, no, it is in the other worlds as upon the earth. There are some who are more advanced and others who are less so. Question 180. In passing from this world into another one, does a spirit retain the intelligence which he possessed in this one? And the answer, undoubtedly he does. Intelligence is never lost but he may not have the same means of manifesting it, for that depends both on his degree of advancement and on the quality of the body he will take. Question 181. Have the human beings who inhabit the other worlds bodies like ours? And the answer, they undoubtedly have bodies, because it is necessary for the spirit to be clothed with matter in order to act upon matter but this envelope is more or less material according to the degree of purity at which each spirit has arrived. And it is these graduations of purity 
that decide the different worlds through which we have to pass. For in our Father's house there are many mansions, and therefore many degrees among those mansions. For there are some who know this, and possess the consciousness of this fact, while upon the earth, and there are others who have no such intuition. Question 182. Can we obtain any exact knowledge of the physical and moral state of the different worlds? And the answer, we, spirits, can only reply according to the degree at which you have arrived. That is to say, that we must not reveal these things to all, because some are not in the state which would enable them to understand such revelations and would be confused by them. Kardec adds, In proportion as the spirit becomes purified, the body with which he clothes himself also approaches more nearly to the spirit nature. The matter of which his body is composed is less dense. He no longer crawls heavily on the surface of the ground. His bodily needs are less gross, and the various living beings in those higher worlds are no longer obliged to destroy one another in order to feed themselves. A spirit incarnated in those worlds enjoys a greater degree of freedom and possesses in regard to the objects at a distance orders of perception of a nature unknown to us. He sees what his eyes, what we see only in thought. The purification of spirits determine the moral excellence of the corporeal beings in whom they are incarnated. The animal passions become weaker and selfishness gives place to the sentiment of fraternity. Thus, in worlds of higher degree than our earth, wars are unknown because no one thinks of doing harm to his fellow beings, and there is consequently no motive for hatred or discord. The foresight of their future, which is intuitive in the people of those worlds, and the sense of security resulting from a conscience void of remorse, cause them to look forward to death without fear, as being simply a process of transformation, the approach of which they perceive without the slightest uneasiness. The duration of a lifetime in the different worlds appears to be proportionate to the degree of moral and physical superiority of each world, and this is perfectly cosonant with reason. The less material is the body, the less subject it is to the vivicitudes which disorganize it. The purer the spirit, the less subject is it to the passions which undermine and destroy it. This correspondence between moral and physical conditions is a proof of the beneficence of providential law even in worlds of low degree. As the duration of the suffering, which is the characteristic of life in those worlds, is thus rendered proportionally shorter. Question 183. In passing from one world to another, does the spirit pass through a new infancy? And the answer is, infancy is, in all worlds, a necessary transition. But it is not, in all of them, so stupid as it is in yours. Question 184. Has a spirit the choice of a new world? which he is to inhabit? And the answer, not always, but he can make his demand, and it may be granted, but only if he has deserved it. 
for the various worlds are only accessible to spirits according to the degree of their elevation. Follow-up question, if a spirit makes no such demand, what is it that decides as to the world in which he will be reincarnated? And the answer, the degree of his elevation. Question 185. Is the physical and moral state of the living beings of each globe always the same? And the answer is, no. Worlds, like the beings that live in them, are subject to the law of progress. All have begun like yours, by being in a state of inferiority, and the earth will undergo a transformation similar to that which has been accomplished by the others. It will become a terrestrial paradise when the men by whom it is inhabited have become good. Kardec adds, The races which now people the earth will gradually disappear and will be succeeded by others more and more perfect. Those transformed races will succeed the races now upon the earth. Of these have succeeded earlier races, still more gross than the present ones. Question 186. Are there worlds in which the spirit, ceasing to inhabit a material body, has no longer any other envelope than the perispirit? And the answer is yes, and this envelope itself becomes so etherealized that for you it is as though it did not exist. This is the state of the fully purified spirits. Follow-up question. It would seem, from this statement, that there is no clearly marked line of demarcation between the state of the latter incarnations and that of pure spirit. And the answer, no such demarcation exists, the difference between them growing gradually less and less. They blend into one another as darkness of night melts into dawn. Question 187. Is the substance of the perispirit the same in all globes? The answer, no, it is more or less ethereal on passing from one world to another. A spirit clothes himself with the matter proper to each, changing his envelope with the rapidity of lightning. Question 188. Do the pure spirits inhabit special worlds, or are they in universal space without being attached to any particular globe? And the answer is, the pure spirits inhabit certain worlds, but they are not confined to them as men are confined to the earth. They possess, in a higher degree than any others, the power of instantaneous locomotion, which is equivalent to ubiquity. Kardec adds, According to the statement of spirits, the earth, as regards the physical and moral qualities of its inhabitants, is one of the least advanced of all the globes of our solar system. Mars is stated to be a point even lower than that of the earth, and Jupiter to be greatly superior to the earth in every respect. The sun is not a world inhabited by corporeal beings, but is a place of meeting for the spirits of higher order who, from thence, send out the radiations of their thought towards the other worlds of our solar system, which they govern through the instrumentality of spirits of a less elevated degree, to whom they transmit their action by the intermediary of the universal fluid. As regards to its physical constitution, the sun would appear to be a focus of electricity 
and all the other suns seem to be identical with ours in nature and function. The size of planets and their distance from the sun have no necessary relation with their degree of advancement, for Venus is said to be more advanced than the Earth, and Saturn is declared to be less advanced than Jupiter. The souls of many persons well known on this Earth are said to be reincarnated in Jupiter, one of the worlds nearest to perfection, and much surprise has been felt on hearing it stated that persons who, when here, were not supposed to merit such a favor, should have been admitted in so advanced a globe. But there is nothing in this fact that needs surprise us, if we consider first that certain spirits who have inhabited this planet may have been sent hither in fulfillment of a mission which, to our eyes, did not seem to place them in the foremost rank. Secondly, that they may have had, between their lives here and in Jupiter, intermediary existences in which they have advanced. And thirdly, that there are innumerable degrees of development in that world as in this one, and that there may be as much differences between these degrees as there is amongst us, between the savage and the civilized man. It no more follows that a spirit is on a level with the most advanced beings of Jupiter because he inhabits the planet that it follows that an ignoramus is on a level with a philosopher because he inhabits the same town. The conditions of longevity also are as various in other worlds as they are on our earth, and no comparison can be established between the ages of those who inhabit them. A person who has died some years previously, on being evoked, stated that he has been incarnated for six months in a world the name of which is unknown to us. Being questioned as to his age in that world, he replied, That is a point which I am unable to decide, because in the first place, we do not count time in the same way as you do, and in the next place, our mode of existence is not the same as yours. Our development is much more rapid in this world, for although it is only six of your months, since I came here, I may say that as regards to intelligence, I am about what one usually is at the age of thirty in your earth. A great number of similar replies have been given by other spirits, and these statements contain nothing improbable. Do we not see upon our earth a host of animals that acquire their normal development in the course of a few months? Why should not men do the same in the other sphere? And it is to be remarked, moreover, that the degree of development acquired by a man at the age of thirty upon the earth may be only a sort of infancy in comparison with what he is destined to arrive at in worlds of higher degree. Short-sighted indeed are they who look upon our present selves as being in all respects the normal type of creation, and to suppose that there can be no other modes of existence than our present one, is in sooth a strange narrowing of our idea of the possibilities of the divine action. Progressive Transmigrations Question 189 does the spirit enjoy the plentitude of his faculties from the beginning of his formation? The answer, no, 
For the spirit, like the man, has his infancy. Spirits at their origin have only an instinctive existence and scarcely any consciousness of themselves or of their acts. It is only little by little that their intelligence is developed. Question 190. What is the state of the soul at its first incarnation? The answer, a state analogous to that of infancy, considered in its relation to a human life, its intelligence is only beginning to unfold itself. It may be said to be essaying to live. Question 191. Are the souls of savages in a state of infancy? The answer, of relative infancy, but they are souls that have already accomplished a certain amount of development, for they have passions. Follow-up question. Passions, then, are a sign of development? The answer, of development, yes, but not of perfection. They are a sign of activity and of the consciousness of the me, while, on the contrary, in the primitive state of the soul, intelligence and vitality exist only as germs. Kardec adds, the life of a spirit in his totality goes through successive phases similar to those of a corporeal lifetime. He passes gradually from the embryonic state to that of infancy and arrives through a succession of periods at the adult state, which is that of his perfection, with this difference, however, that is not subject either to decrepitude or to decline. Like the corporeal life, that the life of a spirit, though it has had a beginning, will have no end. That he takes what appears from our point of view to be an immense length of time in passing from the state of spirit infancy to the attainment of his complete development, and that he accomplishes this progression not in one and the same sphere, but by passing through different worlds. The life of a spirit is thus composed of a series of corporal existences, each of what affords him an opportunity of progress. As each of his corporal existences is composed of a series of days, in each of which he acquires a new increment of experience and of knowledge, but just as in a human lifetime there are days which bear no fruit, so in the life of a spirit there are corporal existences which are barren of profitable result, because he has failed to make a right use of them. Question 192. Is it possible for us, by leading a perfect life in our present existence, to overleap all the intervening steps of the ascent, and thus to arrive at the state of pure spirits, without passing through the intermediate degrees? The answer no, for what a man imagines to be perfect is very far from perfection. There are qualities which are entirely unknown to him and which he could not now be made to comprehend. He may be as perfect as it is possible for his terrestrial nature to be, but he will still be very far from the true and absolute perfection. It is just as with the child who, however precocious he may be, he must necessarily pass through youth to reach adult life, or as the sick man who must pass through convalescence before arriving at the complete recovery of his health. 
and besides, a spirit must advance in knowledge as well as in morality. If he has advanced only in one of these directions, he will have to advance equally in the other in order to reach the top of the ladder of perfection. But it is none the less certain that the more a man advances in his present life, the shorter and the less painful will be the trials he will have to undergo in his subsequent existences. Follow-up question. Can a man at least ensure for himself, after his present life, a future existence less full of bitterness than this one? And the answer is, yes, undoubtedly, he can abridge the length and difficulties of the road. It is only he who does not care to advance that remains always at the same point. Question 193. Can a man in his new existences descend to a lower point than that which he has already reached? And the answer, as regards his social position, yes, but not as regards his degree of progress as a spirit. Question 194. Can the soul of a good man in a new incarnation animate the body of a scoundrel? The answer, no, because a spirit cannot degenerate. Follow-up question. Can the soul of a bad man become the soul of a good man? And the answer, yes, if he have repented, and, in that case, his new incarnation in the reward of his efforts at amendment. Kordek adds, the line of march of all spirits is always progressive, never retrograde. They raise themselves gradually in the hierarchy of existence. They never descend from the rank at which they have once arrived. In the course of their different corporeal existences, they may descend in rank as men, but not as spirits. Thus the soul of one who has been at the pinnacle of earthly power may, in a subsequent incarnation, animate the humblest day laborer, and vice versa. For the elevation of ranks, among men, is often in the inverse ratio of that of the moral sentiments. Herod was a king, and Jesus a carpenter. Question 195. Might not the certainty of being able to improve oneself in a future existence lead some persons to persist in evil courses, though knowing that they will always be able to amend at some later period? And the answer is, he who can make such a calculation would have no real belief in anything, and such a one would not he any more be restrained by the idea of incurring eternal punishment, because his reason would reject that idea, which leads to every sort of unbelief. An imperfect spirit, it is true, might reason in that way during his corporal life, but when he is freed from his material body, he thinks very differently, for he soon perceives that he has made a great mistake in his calculations, and this perception causes him to carry an opposite sentiment into his next incarnation. It is thus that progress is accomplished, and it is thus also that you have upon the earth some men who are farther advanced than others, because some possess experience that the others have not yet acquired but that will be gradually acquired by them. It depends upon each spirit 
to hasten his own advancement or to retard it indefinitely. Kardec adds, The man who has an unsatisfactory position desires to change it as soon as possible. He who is convinced that the tribulations of the present life are the consequences of his own imperfections will seek to ensure for himself a new existence of a less painful character, and this conviction will draw him away from the wrong road much more effectively than the threat of eternal flames which he does not believe in. Question 196. As spirits can only be ameliorated by undergoing the tribulations of corporeal existence, it would seem to follow that the material life is a sort of sieve or strainer by which the beings of the spirit world are obliged to pass in order to arrive at perfection. And the answer, yes, that is the case. They improve themselves under the trials of corporeal life by avoiding evil and by practicing what is good. But it is only through many successive incarnations or purifications that they succeed, after a lapse of time which is longer or shorter, according to the amount of effort put forth by them, till reaching the goal towards which they tend. Follow-up question. Is it the body that influences the spirit for its amelioration, or is it the spirit that influences the body? And the answer, your spirit is everything. Your body is a garment that rots, and nothing more. Kardec adds, A material image of the various degrees of purification of the soul is furnished by the juice of the grape. It contains the liquid called spirit or alcohol, but weakened by the presence of various foreign elements which change its nature, so that it is only brought to a state of absolute purity after several distillations at each of which it is cleared of some portion of its impurity. The still represents the corporeal body into which the spirit enters for its purification. The foreign elements represent the imperfections from which the spirit is gradually freed in proportion as the spirit approaches the state of relative perfection. Fate of Children After Death Question 197 is the spirit of a child who dies in infancy as advanced as that of an adult? And the answer, he is sometimes much more so, for he may previously have lived longer and acquired more experience, especially if he be a spirit who has already made considerable progress. Follow-up question, the spirit of a child may then be more advanced than that of his father? And the answer, that is very frequently the case. Do you not often see examples of this superiority in your world? Question 198. In the case of a child who has died in infancy, and without having been able to do evil, does his spirit belong to the higher degrees of the spirit hierarchy? And the answer, if he has done no evil, he has also done nothing good and God does not exonerate him from the trials which he has to undergo. If such a spirit belongs to a high degree, it is not because he was a child, but because he had achieved that degree of advancement as a result of his previous existences. Question 199. 
Why is it that life is so often cut short in childhood? And the answer is, the duration of the life of a child may be, for the spirit thus incarnated, the complement of an existence interrupted before its appointed term, and his death is often a trial or an expiation for his parents. Follow-up question, what becomes of the spirit of a child who dies in infancy? And the answer, he recommences a new existence. Kardec adds, If a man had but a single existence, and if after this existence his future state were fixed for all eternity, by what standard of merit could eternal felicity be adjudged to that half of the human race which dies in childhood and by which it would be exonerated from the conditions of progress, often so painful, imposed on the other half? Such an ordering could not be reconciled with the justice of God. Through the reincarnation of spirits, the most absolute justice is equally meted out to all. The possibilities of the future are open to all, without exception, and without any favor to any. Those who are the last to arrive have only themselves to blame for the delay. Each man must merit happiness by his own right action as he has to bear the consequences of his own wrongdoing. It is, moreover, most irrational to consider childhood as a normal state of innocence. Do we not see children endowed with the vilest instincts at an age at which even the most vicious surroundings cannot have begun to exercise any influence upon them? Do we not see many who seem to bring with them at birth cunning, falseness, perfidy, and even the instincts of thieving and murder, and this in spite of the good examples by which they are surrounded. Human law absolves them from their misdeeds because it regards them of having acted without discernment, and it is right in doing so, for they really act instinctively rather than from deliberate intent. But whence proceed the instinctual differences observable in children of the same age brought up amidst the same conditions, and subjected to the same influences. Whence came this precocious perversity, if not from the inferiority of the spirit himself, since education has had nothing to do with producing it? Those who are vicious are so because their spirit has made less progress, and, that being the case, each will have to suffer the consequences of his inferiority not on account of his wrongdoing as a child, but as a result of his evil courses in his former existences. And thus the action of the providential law is the same for each, and the justice of God reaches equally to all. Sex in Spirits Question 200. Have spirits sex? And the answer, not as you understand sex, for sex in that sense depends on the corporeal organization. Love and sympathy exist among them, but founded on similarity of sentiments. Question 201. Can a spirit who has animated the body of a man animate the body of a woman in a new existence and vice versa? And the answer, yes, the same spirits animate men and women. Question 202. 
Does a spirit, when existing in the spirit world, prefer to be incarnated as a man or as a woman? And the answer, that is a point in regard to which a spirit is indifferent, and which is always decided in view of the trials which he has to undergo in his new corporeal life. Kardec adds, Spirits incarnate themselves as men or as women because they are of no sex, and it is necessary for them to develop themselves in every direction, both sexes, as well as a variety of social positions, furnish them with special trials and duty, and with the opportunity of acquiring experience. A spirit who has always incarnated itself as a man would be only known by men and vice versa. Relationship Filiation Question 203. Do parents transmit to their children a part of their soul, or do they only give them the animal life to which another soul afterwards adds the moral life? The answer, the animal life only is given by the parents, for the soul is indivisible. A stupid father may have clever children, and vice versa. Question 204. As we have had many existences, do our relationships extend beyond our present existence? And the answer, it cannot be otherwise. The succession of the corporeal existences establish among spirits a variety of relationships which date back from their former existences, and these relationships are often the cause of the sympathies or antipathies which you sometimes feel towards persons whom you seem to meet for the first time. Question 205. The doctrine of reincarnation appears to some minds to destroy family ties by carrying them back to periods anterior to our present existence. And the answer is, it extends those ties, but it does not destroy them. On the contrary, the conviction that the relationships of the present life are based upon anterior affections renders the ties between members of the same family less precarious. It makes the duties of fraternity even more imperative, because in your neighbor or in your servant may be incarnate some spirit who has formerly been united to you by the closest ties of consanguinity or of affection. Follow-up question. It nevertheless diminishes the importance which many persons attach to their ancestry, since we may have had for our father a spirit who has belonged to a different race, or who has lived in a different social position. And the answer, that is true, but this importance is usually founded on pride. For what most people honor in their ancestors is title, rank, and fortune. Many a one who would blush to have an honest shoemaker for his grandfather boasts of his descent from some debauchee of noble birth. But no matter what men may say or do, they will not prevent things from going on according to the divine ordering, for God has not regulated the laws of nature to meet the demands of human vanity. Question 206. If there be no filiation among the spirits, successively incarnated as the descendants of the same family, does it follow that it is absurd to honor the memory of one's ancestors? And the answer is, assuredly not, for one out to rejoice in belonging to a family in which the elevated spirits have been incarnated, 
although spirits did not proceed from one another, their affection for those who are related to them by family ties is nonetheless real, for they are often led to incarnate themselves in such a such family by pre-existing causes of sympathy and by the influence of attractions due to relationships contracted in anterior lives. But you may be very sure that the spirits of your ancestors are in no way gratified by the honors you pay to their memory from a sentiment of pride. Their merits, however great they may have been, can only add to your deserts by stimulating your efforts to follow the good examples they may have given you. And it is only through this emulation of their good qualities that your remembrance can become for them not only agreeable, but useful always. Physical and Moral Likeness Question 207. Parents often transmit physical resemblance to their children. Do they also transmit them moral resemblance? And the answer, no, because they have different souls or spirits. The body proceeds from the body, but the spirit does not proceed from any other spirit. Between the descendants of the same race, there is no other relationship than that of consanguinity. Follow-up question. What is the cause of the moral resemblance that sometimes exists between parents and children? And the answer, the attractive influence of moral sympathy, which brings together spirits who are animated by similar sentiments and tendencies. Question 208. Are the spirits of the parents without influence upon the spirit of their child after its birth? And the answer, they exercise, on the contrary, a very great influence upon it. As we have already told you, spirits are made to conduce to one another's progress. To the spirits of the parents is confided the mission of developing those of their children by the training they give to them. It is a task which is appointed to them, and which they cannot without guilt fail to fulfill. Question 209. How is it that good and virtuous parents often give birth to children of perverse and evil nature? In other words, how is it that the good qualities of the parents do not always attract to them, through sympathy, a good spirit to animate their child? And the answer, a wicked spirit may ask to be allowed to have virtuous parents, in the hope that their counsels may help him to amend his ways and God often confides such a one to the care of virtuous persons, in order that he may be benefited by their affection and care. Question 210. Can parents, by their intentions and their prayers, attract a good spirit into the body of their child, instead of an inferior spirit? The answer, no, but they can improve the spirit of the child whom they have brought into the world, and is confided to them for that purpose. It is their duty to do this. But bad children are often sent as a trial for the improvement of the parents also. Question 211. What is the cause of the similarity of character so often existing among brothers, especially twins? And the answer, the sympathy of two spirits who are attracted by the similarity of their sentiments and who are happy to be together. Question 212. In children whose bodies are joined together and who have some other organs in common, are there two spirits, that is to say, two souls? And the answer, 
Yes, but their resemblance to one another often makes them seem to you as though there were but one. Question 213. Since spirits incarnate themselves in twins from sympathy, which comes the aversion that is sometimes felt by twins for one another? And the answer, it is not a rule that only sympathetic spirits are incarnated as twins. Bad spirits may have been brought into this relation by their desire to struggle against each other on the stage of corporeal life. Question 214. In what way should we interpret the stories of children fighting in their mother's womb? And the answer, as a figurative representation of their hatred to one another, which, to indicate its inveteracy, is made to date from before their birth. You rarely make sufficient allowance for the figurative and poetic elements in certain statements. Question 215. What is the cause of the distinctive character which we observe in each people? And the answer, spirits constitute different families, formed by the similarity of their tendencies, which are more or less purified according to their elevation. Each people is a great family formed by the assembling together of sympathetic spirits. The tendency of the members of these families to unite together is the source of the resemblance which constitutes the distinctive character of each people. Do you suppose that good and benevolent spirits would seek to incarnate themselves among a rude and brutal people? No. Spirits sympathize with masses of men as they sympathize with individuals. They go to the regions of the earth with which they are most in harmony. Question 216. Does a spirit in his new existence retain any traces of the moral character of his former existences? And the answer, yes, he may do so, but as he improves, he changes. His social position also may be greatly changed in his successive lives. If, having been a master in one existence, he becomes a slave in another, his taste will be altogether different, and it would be difficult for you to recognize him. A spirit being the same in his various incarnations, there may be certain analogies between the manifestations of character in his successive lives. But these manifestations will, nevertheless, be modified by the change of conditions and habits incident to each of his new corporeal existences, until through the ameliorations thus gradually effected, his character has been completely changed. He who was proud and cruel becoming humble and humane through repentance and effort. Question 217. Does a man, in his different incarnations, retain any traces of the physical character of his preceding existences? And the answer, the body is destroyed and the new one has no connection with the old one. Nevertheless, the spirit is reflected in the body, and although the body is only matter, Yet being modeled on the capacities of the spirit, the latter impresses upon it a certain character that is more particularly visible in the face, and especially in the eyes, which have been truly declared to be the mirror of the soul, that is to say, that the face reflects the soul more especially than does the rest of the body. And this is so true that a very ugly face may please when it forms part of the envelope of a good, wise, and humane spirit while on the other hand, very handsome faces may cause you no pleasurable emotion or may even excite a movement of repulsion. 
It may seem, at first, that only well-made bodies could be the envelopes of good spirits, and yet you see everyday virtuous and superior men with deformed bodies, without there being any marked resemblance between them. The similarity of tastes and tendencies may, therefore, give what is commonly called a family likeness to the corporeal bodies, successively assumed by the same spirit. Kardec adds, The body with which the soul is clothed in, a new incarnation, not having any necessary connection with the one it has quitted, since it may belong to quite another race, it would be absurd to infer a succession of existences from a resemblance which may be only fortuitous, but nevertheless the qualities of the spirit often modify the organs which serve for their manifestations and impress upon the countenance and even the general manner a distinctive stamp. It is thus that an expression of nobility and dignity may be found under the humblest exterior, while the fine clothes of the grandee are often unable to hide the baseness and ignominy of their wear. Some persons who have risen from the lowest position adopt without effort the habits and manners of the highest ranks, and seem to have returned to their native element, while others, notwithstanding their advantages of birth and education, always seem to be out of their proper place in refined society. How can these facts be explained, unless as a reflex of what the spirit has been in his former existences? Innate Ideas Question 218. Does the spirit retain, when incarnated, any trace of the perceptions he has had and the knowledge he had acquired in its former existences? And the answer, there remains with him a vague remembrance which gives him what you call innate ideas. Follow-up question, then the theory of innate ideas is not a chimera. The answer, no, the knowledge acquired in each existence is not lost. A spirit, when freed from matter, always remembers what he has learned. He may, during incarnation, forget partially and for a time, but the latent intuition which he preserves of all that he has once known aids him in advancing. Were it not for this intuition of past acquisitions, he would always have to begin his education over again. A spirit, at each new existence, takes his departure from the point at which he had arrived at the close of his preceding existence. Question 219. If that be the case, there must be a very close connection between two successive existences. And the answer, that connection is not always so close as you suppose it to be, for the conditions of the two existences are often very different, and in the interval between them, the spirit may have made considerable progress. Question 220. What is the origin of the extraordinary faculties of those individuals who, without any preparatory study, appear to possess intuitively certain branches of knowledge, such as languages, arithmetic, etc.? And the answer, the vague remembrances of their past, the result of progress previously made by the soul, but of which it has no present consciousness. From what else could these intuitions be derived? The body changes, but the spirit does not change, although he changes his garment. Question 221. 
In changing our body can we lose certain intellectual faculties, as, for instance, the taste for art? And the answer, yes, if you have sullied that faculty or made a bad use of it. Moreover, an intellectual faculty may be made to slumber during an entire existence because the spirit wishes to exercise another faculty having no connection with the one which, in that case, remains latent but will come again into play in a later existence. Question 2.22 Is it to a retrospective remembrance that are due the instinctive sentiment of the existence of God and the presentiment of a future life which appear to be natural to man even in a savage state? And the answer, yes, to a remembrance which man have preserved of what he knew as a spirit before he was incarnated but pride often stifles this sentiment. Follow-up question. Is it to this same remembrance that are due certain beliefs analogous to spiritist doctrine, which are found among every people? And the answer, that doctrine is as old as the world and is therefore to be found everywhere. In ubiquity, which proves it to be true, the incarnate spirit, preserving the intuition of a state as a spirit, possesses an instinctive consciousness of the invisible world, but this intuition is often perverted by prejudices and debased by the admixture of superstitions resulting from ignorance. For those interested in learning more about Spiritism, you can find the entire The Spirits book on PDF. Look up Allen Kardec space PDF on your favorite search engine. If you wish to explore more about the levels of heaven and the attributes of a spirit and the future of earth, I suggest you read my series of three books, starting with Heaven and Below, next Spirits and the Spirit Universe, and the third book, How Spirits Guide Us. God bless.